0: Welcome to the Che and Pav podcast experience. Please grab a coffee, set down your marking, and embark on this playful, fun, yet genuine listening experience on education. Jim Guy and Wonder Woman.
1: Welcome to the Staff Room, a half hour to engage in some meaningful conversation about some of the topics we think are pertinent and relevant to our day-to-day teaching experience. The Staff Room podcast episodes are hosted by Voice Ed Radio weekly on Tuesday mornings, and on Fridays at 9 a.m. Eastern, we host The Drive, an educational morning radio show filled with great chatter and amazing music. Check out the staff room on the school rubric website where our origin story and weekly articles are posted and our podcast can also be heard. We are also on the On Podcast Media Network and are connected to an amazing group of educators who have come together to form the Education Never Dies team you can find us all on Twitter. Check out our link tree on our Twitter handle at staff podcast for more information about us. Okay, so let's dive right into episode 36 today. And we are talking about conflict. Um, specifically positive forms of conflict or positive ways to deal with conflict that might arise within your building, with the people that you work with, um, with administration, anywhere really. Uh, conflict is something that exists in every workplace and uh, it's, it's something that everybody needs to be able to address. We hosted, well we didn't host, uh, our friend Taylor hosted a wonderful chat on the same topic from the Education Never Dies group this week and we thought it was a, a great conversation. It continued for quite some time into our after hours group. Um, and, and it, I think it required a little bit more conversation. So let's jump into that topic in just a second. I'll start by introducing us, your host of the Staff Room Podcast. My name is Pav Wonder Woman Wander, and I have my co-host, uh, Mr. Che Chaney sitting next to me and, uh, usually introduces himself. it's (laughs)
2: showtime with the staff room podcast yes jay hurricane Chaney and pav wonder woman wonder
1: yeah thank you for that i like that the whisper it kind of matches it it balances the hurricane quite well.
2: I think we've gone over this in our series of interludes.
1: Yes, we have. Yeah, so we're talking about conflict today, and uh, there's there are so many different directions that we can go with this topic. And even in our chat and in the conversation we had afterwards, there were there were so many different subtopics to be discussed. You know. Um, from culture to dialogue to you know how to how to deal with it and whether you need other people involved and so much stuff that it's hard to sort of encapsulate how to deal with conflict.
2: I think the key is understanding, or we're gonna to try to articulate that conflict pushes us and propels us forward. But we don't just want the idea that conflict's a good thing. No positive conflict, where certain things are in place and certain cultures in our buildings are cemented, that allows conflict, dialogue, uh, tense discussion to be partaken in, people participate in, people engage in, with the notion that this is moving us forward, it's propelling us. And in education, we're in a field where we we really want to be at the, the forefront of the action and not trailing behind, and certainly in my twenty years of experiencing and in and education—it's called following. A lot of the time, we do end up getting ourselves trapped following movements, discussions, pedagogies, as we wait or we stagger to get going. And so, we are in the notion that positive conflict propels and drives us forward. But that isn't a blank check to just start causing grief in your building because of your ego. <laughs> Ego in check propels us forward. Positive conflict, positive uh, tense discussion, courageous conversation is going to move us forward. But we gotta we gotta take care of some business before you think just saying that we like conflict means that you can just go and and barrel through.
1: Yeah, I mean. Uh, You mentioned a couple of things. Ego was the first one. Che and I have both at length over the past couple of weeks talked about ego and our perspectives on ego. And so if you're interested in hearing a little bit more about what we have to say about that, please go and check out our interludes, the last two interludes that we have done um, about that.
2: I don't have an ego.
1: No, no. Actually, you do have an ego. And so do I.
2: Oh, good. Well played.
1: (laughs) So the other thing is, um, you know, conflict can definitely be good four people working in a school together, but it, it can be bad if we don't do the groundwork, if we don't lay the proper foundation first, what that really can do is lead to toxicity. If we don't take care of those things. And sometimes the toxicity enters the building, regardless of whether the groundwork has been done or not. Um, but the idea is that it doesn't really have to become that even that toxicity doesn't really have to become a huge problem unless there is no foundation for you know a real open and honest dialogue or open and honest relationship between all of the parties that are involved so Even even toxicity has a place in in the communication that happens within the building, because if we are not in a place to accept it and work with it, then it's just going to continue to fester and get worse and worse and worse. So we have to be able to have the dialogue and the conversation based on the foundational stuff, the work, the groundwork that we have done. To establish a safe environment,
2: sometimes it's important to try to hear the message rather than how the message is being delivered. And when we fixate on sort of toxicity and you just dismiss it because you just have described it as toxic, some of the behaviors may not be warranted and maybe need addressing. But certainly there's going to assume there's part of the message that we actually want to address, listen to, and doesn't necessarily mean we're going to agree to, but we have to be open to hearing everyone's perspectives, everyone's input on a topic so that we can we can move forward. But let's get back. What are the conditions we need to have in our building and our spaces to facilitate positive conflict, to generate meaningful change? And good culture is one of them. But we hear about culture all the time. But what is good culture? How do I facilitate good culture? You know, you can't just bring snacks to a staff meeting and that's good culture. It's part of it, but it's not culture in itself. We want to cement And and build relationships one-to-one within group settings, within division settings. We have to work on relationship building. And that's sharing of resources, sharing of communication, sharing of ideas. It's addressing our differences. It's understanding we come from different places. So relationships are key. We build relationships through some key ideas of you know, conversation, listening, appreciation. And Those really set ourselves up so that we can later have meaningful dialogue with people because we know a little bit of who they are. We know their passions. We know their lenses. And we realize and we see these differences early on so that when an issue where there's maybe some tension to or some um, we're not totally certain where we want to go on an issue, we can appreciate these differences. So part of good culture is really cementing relationships, and that's about listening, communication, and it's certainly about appreciation of all the people around us.
1: You know, there's so many different qualities uh, to or characteristics to being able to have good conversations and good culture in the class. And and a lot of the things that we've talked about, we can sort of start to mix them in together. And, you know, we've talked about good leadership in the past and uh, not necessarily good leadership that has to come from administration, but it requires leadership to be able to host that kind of positive culture. So we could even take it further back and say that, you know, it, it actually needs to start with a very clear vision and mission statement from the leaders in the school. And if we're all working towards the same goal, we can work towards creating that culture that we want to be able to feel safe in our environments. And so we start with you know, the why, you know, what are we working towards? We're working towards certain goals. And if we want to continue to work towards those goals, we're going to have to work through some of these conflicts or some of these problems that we experience together as a family, because that's what you do in a family. And you don't just get to dismiss things because they're not important to you or because your personality doesn't jive with what's being said, or you don't have the ability to be able to really appreciate or listen to what somebody else is saying, or you feel that you are not being heard as well. So there are a lot of different qualities that go into creating that safe culture. And I think they're all valid things to think about when when we begin to even talk about how to deal with conflict in a positive way.
2: I love you brought it back to Vision and Mission, because it reminds me of the song I sang to introduce that episode... (laughs) And then beyond that, it reminds me that the vision and mission is important to be able to draw back to it, but not to just dismissively say, well, this is our vision and mission, so we go. No, it's important to just have that reminder prompt. This is where we're going. How does what you're saying, how does your argument support this? Don't use it as the end of a conversation. It's just how we move conversation along. It's not, I'm going to do this because this is our vision and mission. Okay, I hear your perspective on this topic. I hear what you're saying about this topic. Here's our vision and mission. How does what you're saying connect to that? How does what you're saying uh, connect to that? So you're right. We bring it back to the vision and mission is part of that great culture because it's something we can share, we can agree upon, and, and we can move forward to. And then if I could even say, perhaps maybe we don't agree upon it, at some point, that ego, you have to put that aside. If our school or our classroom has decided upon uh, through the collective that this is going to be our vision and mission, then we do have to adhere to it. And once that's sort of solidified and in place, that is sort of our, our guiding force when it comes to tensions or conversations or propelling us forward. So I'm glad you brought us back to that vision and mission. What are some of the things that sort of Cause our conflict. Are we ready to dive into that portion yet?
1: I think so. Yeah, Why like, not? Let's th- get into it. Let's d- get into the meat of the matter.
2: Ego can be one. And, you know, ego unchecked. Or I think in your interlude, you talked about pride mm-hmm. unchecked. That can sort of get us going. Um, I also want to talk about some infrastructure stuff. In education, we are... As I talked about, we want to be on the forefront, we want to be leading, but we often get caught being reactionary, trying to do things last minute, and not because anyone is disorganized, but education is messy, and often things get sort of thrown at us, or pedagogies, or our shifts in our school, where we want to go, it gets thrown at us last minute. And ultimately, we want to make big pivots, big shifts in a very short period of time, and so our disorganization I don't want to mean to say like it's disorganized it's just we know what buildings are like things come through fast and quick and there's so much stuff on the go that it sort of catches up to us too fast which was my original statement we get we follow more than we lead and so I think of that organization we really need to be organized in the sense that if we know we're going to start making shifts or we're going to start adding new pedagogies or new technologies in our school we have to start introducing that slowly getting that information out preparing people for what's going to come and uh, dropping your staff meeting minutes 35 minutes before the meeting is not proper preparation to make really meaningful conversations because people in, in a conversation like that are so simply speaking in emotion and there's nothing wrong with that but emotion has to be tapped into experiences and practice and things you've experimented with to really tie it all together so i think organization is really key when we're bringing in a new pedagogy new technology we really have to prepare staff that we are leaning towards this be prepared for this we're going to bring this conversation in i had that i got another one you ready you're yeah, ready? go for it. Like Let's s- go. The speed at which we want to implement things. That as soon as we are lack or dis- disorganization, there's always a pressure to get um, to make these pivot changes on a dime. And in a staff meeting scenario or a PD scenario, we often demand or expect immediate takeaways, impact changes in my classroom the next day. And and we expect that in these very isolated moments, we think that every teacher is going to have shared their voice on an issue. But in a staff meeting, six people dominate that form. That's where they're comfortable. Their voice is heard. There's 10 people that know they're not going to be heard and they won't speak up in a staff meeting. And then there's three people that don't feel validated at all in a staff meeting. So... The speed of trying to push things through really quick gets people fired up, gets people angry, and makes people unheard in the, in the voice of, of a disu- of a discussion. So I had a couple of those. I know you're waiting to dive in. Your notes are going flying. But organization and speed at which we try to rush things through. We don't prepare thing, people for the conversations, the, the shifts, and then we expect almost immediate takeaways and immediate changes. And those leads to tensions and negative conflict.
1: So, you know, yes, my notes are all over the place, but that's because this is quite a convoluted topic. You know, you touched on you touched on some things that are going to help us prevent uh, conflicts in the first place. So the preparedness and making sure that everybody is understanding of everything that is on board and sort of creating the environment where, you know, these conflicts may not necessarily have to come up because everybody is understanding of the goals and understanding of the mission and everything else. But we know that that's not always reality. And so sometimes things, things do come up or, you know, we, we, um, we figure out that we need to make a particular change about one thing and then we want it implemented, uh, immediately. And yes, stress and anxiety are things that, um, pile on top of us, which, which often do lead to conflict because we have, um, we have these feelings of, you know, I'm finally in control of my environment. I'm doing a great job. My lessons are going great. I'm doing everything that I need to do as a teacher. And then all of a sudden someone drops something additional on top of you. And yes, you feel that stress and anxiety and, and you want me to do this when now, Um, when do I have time to do that? So time is a huge factor. The immediacy within education is a huge factor as well. Something that I wanted to branch off on, uh, from what you brought up and I had on my list, um, circled a thousand times was voice. Um, there are many different personalities in our schools. Some of those personalities will be boisterous, loud, and making sure that they are always being heard about um things that they believe in like some people that i know
2: give me a list after this episode
1: i'll let you know who i'm talking about so those those loud voices you know are necessary in a in a community in any relationship however they're not always the voices that are there? You know, there are also the the timid voices, the voices that are afraid of being judged for their opinions and the things that they have to say. The voices that are just naturally, you know, they're listeners that people who require more processing time to understand the gravity of the situation or the the problem that actually exists or the conflict that we're trying to work through and towards. And so how do you get a fair representation of all of the voices? Because you might have two or three or four people that are going to be doing 90% of the speaking in, in any particular meeting, in any sort of conflict resolution, uh, process that happens. Um, those voices are necessary, but you sometimes can't even force those voices out you know, if you ask somebody to speak up in a meeting, those people will clam up and potentially even walk out of the room because they're not comfortable with what's happening. Um, for myself, I know I require a lot of processing time. I would rather listen to all sides of the of the scenario, walk out of the room, and then come back after I've processed everything that I've heard with with some potentially real solutions. So are we going to be able to expect some real um, solutions to any sort of problem. We'll get into that, that whole topic in a moment, but it's not going to be immediate. We can't, we can't expect to have a room full of people, a school full of educators, and then, you know, expect some sort of, some sort of strategy to work towards a solution right away, because we need to make sure that all of those voices are being heard. And one of the things that came up really quickly, um, in our after hours chat was, Um, That I thought was brilliant and just magnificent needs to be highlighted was that the people that assert themselves as leaders or not necessarily assert, but recognize themselves as being leaders or those that do have some of the, the more voice in the room, be sure to put your egos aside or your pride aside and involve everybody you You should take it upon yourself to say, "You know, I know that there are some voices here that are not being heard. Maybe we need to be able to hear all of those voices. um so it's it's almost a form of mediation, right? We need that mediator to say, "Okay, we haven't heard from everybody let's Let's make sure we hear from everybody before we make any sort of informed
2: decisions. You certainly need unifiers.
1: Yes, absolutely.
2: You said so many brilliant things, but I'm an old man, He's so the once I heard the first one, I stopped listening. <laughs> um, the idea of safe space, you came across, because often, you know, we f- we fixate on in it in our classrooms, per se, as a teacher, but then we just assume that it's a staff meeting, we're all teachers, uh, it's a PD session, it's a safe space for everyone. Actually, it's not. Go through any staff. Well, I can't, I can't... It explicitly state that for sure. Uh, 20 years experience and you know 18,427 staff meetings and PD meetings of experience will tell you there's always a few people that are not in a comfortable place, don't feel their voices heard and not going to get an opportunity to contribute. And you know what in some things when you know I voting for politicians I just need a majority. I 62% that's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there's your majority government you can run the country. But when I'm talking about safe space it, it's got to be all in for a safe space. You have to have everyone feeling safe. As soon as one isn't safe, that is not a safe space. Your 98% isn't good enough. And so um this is sort of diverging a little bit, but when you were talking about that and we're talking about how do we work through issues and and, and uh have dialogue and conversations and push ourselves through, don't think everyone feels really comfortable that their voice is going to be heard. Uh, and that's something you really have to work through, which is why we talked about culture at the beginning. But when we talk about solving through problems, this is why you can do nothing in the immediacy. Because even in education, there are teachers, educators, people in the building that don't feel safe in these spaces. Not that they feel in danger, mm-hmm. but they don't feel like they have a voice and they don't feel that they're, they are respected enough to speak up. And so you have to give many different ways to communicate through issues, whether it be emails, small group discussion, uh, sticky note, whiteboard, anything. But you have to give multiple ways for people to engage in courageous conversation. It can't just be for the boisterous voices. And I do have a boisterous voice, but... I actually very seldom participate in initial initial discussions of anything. I often wait to the end because I am aware that I have a big booming voice and I'm very theatrical and I move my arms a lot when I talk. But I'm I'm I just self, pictured that,
1: sorry. I'm just imagine.
2: I'm self-aware of it to know to not dominate conversations or when I go into group work say I'll talk for the group. Many times, teachers are comfortable with me representing information, but I never assume that I get to do it. I never storm into a group and think I'm going to do it. I often, because I know my personality, I try to be more warm, more accepting, and more gracious to give other people those opportunities where maybe they're not as comfortable and not feel that I get to dominate because I have a big, booming voice, and I do feel quite comfortable speaking up in staff meetings. But that's part of your ego, is knowing that you you do have this skill set, you do do these things, and then it's your ego in check, so... Safe space important, finding multiple ways to get everyone to participate in the courageous conversation, but it doesn't necessarily have to be them standing up in a staff meeting or, or a session and voicing their concerns. Yeah,
1: you do do that. You do uh, definitely make sure that everybody gets their voices heard and in a situation. And that's what you need good leaders to be able to do. So Thank you for doing that. Thank you for making sure that my voice gets heard because it's often mine that's sitting there going, I just need to process everything that's happening right now. So I'm just going to sit back and listen. Listening is another thing. We'll get into that in a moment. But I think this is a great time for us to break for our three enlightened minutes. What do you think, Che? No.
2: No. No, it's a horrible time.
1: But I'm gonna still do it anyway. Listen to my voice. (laughs) We can agree to disagree right here.
2: (laughs) What what's the vision and mission of this show? Oh wait, oh (laughs) it's to have people that contribute three enlightened minutes to give another little zest, another little perspective. Okay, you're right, Pav. This is a perfect time for three enlightened minutes.
1: And there we go. We just, uh, displayed some conflict rev- resolution for you guys right here. So today for our three and light minutes, we have Clarissa Dovelina, and, uh, she is a writing instructional specialist from San Antonio, Texas. And she is going to talk to us a little bit more about the importance of feedback. This is a conversation we've had many, many times, but she does a really great job of illustrating the importance of it and what some of the positive effects can it, it can have. So here is Clarissa with her three enlightened minutes.
3: Hi, my name is Clarissa Dovalina, and these are my three enlightened minutes. Thank you, Che and Pav, for having me. I am from San Antonio, Texas, and I am a writing instructional specialist for one of our districts. Feedback has been on my mind lately, with holistic, formative feedback being focused on more than numerical grades in this distance learning journey of ours. And this feedback situation triggered the feedback we receive or give to each other as educators. I recently participated in virtual learning with Teachers College out of Columbia, and participants were asked to answer the following question. What has been some feedback you have received that meant the most to you and why? This was easy for me to answer as I always reflect of me, the soul and the being that I am. When I started engaging in figuring me out and backing away from what I can't control, my outlooks became more positive and my work resonated with it. This awareness of who I am is due to those close to me, both professionally and personally, who provide me with feedback that transfers into everything it is that I do. I have also grown into this individual because I realized that the people behind the titles are what keep us connected and moving forward as one in education. It's not the work, but the love for the work. And this love stems from who we are. Behind the title of teacher, administrator, coach, or any other title in education is a person. A person with a set of traits, thoughts, and convictions. And such characteristics can either elicit positivity and action for students and educators, or manifest negativity and lack of action. Ultimately, this negativity can begin to create gaps in our learning and our existence as educators of children. Therefore, we must nurture in every way possible the feedback that comes to us that seeks to get at us as people. Feedback that seeks to enlighten our heart, our soul, and our spirit. This feedback regarding the who of us and not the what of us can be taken as the renewal or revival of all things us that resonate as we then engage in the work of our own titles. Duties, content and pedagogy are the details that follow because let's be honest, one could be the resident literacy expert or holder of math knowledge, but with little influence over the application of this expertise in support of both educator and student learning because the who may be in need of some revival. I recall one specific moment this school year when I had a discussion with a teacher about her writer's workshop delivery. In short, she was amazed at my feedback and ever so grateful that she was brought to tears. I remember her words back to me in turn brought me to tears because she shared with me no one had ever noticed what I had noticed in all of her years of teaching. I had provided her with feedback based on her who. It wasn't based on nitpicky stickler statements or questions about timing, mini lessons, partner work, Or even writing for that matter. It was based on behaviors that could be enhanced and explored as a person, which could then support her workshop. These were an encouragement to be vulnerable by continuing to share life stories, demeanor and liveliness when engaged in a conversation, and awareness of others. I knew this specific type of feedback would enhance her own field of blossom as a writer's workshop teacher, and it most certainly did. So, when we think of the feedback we provide to our educators, what is the golden goal of that feedback? Are we aiming to set the what straight? Or are we seeking to send the who off on a journey of self-reflection and realization to blossom for the betterment of serving others? Who do you look to in search of feedback that might nurture and grow your who? I challenge you to think about the next piece of feedback you provide and how this feedback can grow an educator as a person, how this feedback can grow an educator's who. And these were my three enlightened minutes. Thank you, Staff Room Podcast listeners. Be safe, be well, much love, and tremendous strength to everyone in this time. Now back to you, Che and Pav.
2: Somebody stop me! (laughs) That was a fantastic three enlightened minutes from Clarissa. And I do love talking about feedback. And in this brand new world we're teaching in, we've been granted the luxury of exploring feedback a little bit more because we have a solid bank of of grades that have allowed us to, you know, explore feedback. And we had this conversation the other week, Uh, we even shared those vulnerable moments, but just because our feedback's getting better, we're not always getting better engagement. It's one of those things when you talk about stats and accumulating information, you can't expect a home run instantaneously or you can't just use one or two weeks as your mere information whether something's working or not. Data collection takes time to move forward, to make decisions, to truly see if something's working. Anecdotal is important, but it takes time to accumulate real stats on how things are working and how feedback is moving us forward. And you know I'm a huge feedback fan, but... No, oh, I hate using the word but. But. But, yeah, but. I am a huge feedback fan. Love how it drives. Loves how it pushes instruction forward. But I also know it's, it's blended with uh, uh, authentic, I call it authentic assessment uh, and evaluation where I, I Im- embed those in lessons. But I love talking, uh, hearing Clarissa, because she's so clear, has so many great examples, really breaks it right down, which is wonderful. Today, we're talking about conflict. And we sort of talked you know, all the sort of the precursors and what can happen in regards to school culture, school relationships, people's voice, people's safety, when we're how safe they feel in dialogue and conversation. We talked about one of the things we thought were issues were organization and the speed at which we want to make changes on a dime. We want to get to the point that Conflict is a good thing. We want to be pushing ourselves. We want to be driving ourselves forward, and so we're going to have differing opinions on where we're trying to get to, especially if we haven't been there before, especially if we're trying to address issues. So we don't come up with the idea of we got to build great culture so we don't have conflict. No, 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 no. We have great culture so we can handle conflict. Mm-hmm. I want all my teachers, all my people in the, in the building, thinking and on edge. If if. If we go in a conversation and I never feel a little bit on edge thought-wise, then then is the the material we're going over have any value? Does it really have any value if my thinking's not pushing? And if I have a, a room of 70 people, if we're all thinking the same thing, then again it's not that valuable a talking point. We want to be pushed. Not 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 challenged. Don't challenge me. Don't force me to think think something, but when the content is really powerful and really meaningful, I my thought process should be engaged in the material. I should be on a little bit of edge as I'm figuring myself out. I'm processing the information. That type of thought is exactly where I want to be at. And when I know and can appreciate that that's where my thoughts are at, I appreciate the person beside me, their thoughts are at the same place. They're on edge. They're thinking. They're brainstorming. So conflict's going to be part of that. It has to be part of that. We're not propelling, pushing ourselves forward if we're not on the edge with our thoughts about trying to address an issue. So in my school, uh, and this is not a real example, Uh, but let's say my my grade three boys' reading marks in in their standardized testing are down two years in a row, and we want to bring in some new pedagogy or some new resources. i got to start thinking about, is this pedagogy, is this resource really going to address this problem? But I'm willing to bet the person beside me doesn't agree or have the same take on that pedagogy or that resource or what the actual underlying issue was. If we could agree that we all just needed, we just need this one textbook or we just need this one pedagogy and we'll all move forward... Well, then we're not thinking we didn't actually have a problem because the solution shouldn't be that that simple. The solution, you know, one of my favorite quotes, is, always bring a solution. Listen, if I, if I could bring a solution to every problem, then it wasn't a problem because there's a solution. The problem is identified for the fact that we don't readily know how to keep pushing ourselves forward. And that's good, healthy dialogue, debate, great, healthy, courageous conversation. We need a school where we can have courageous conversation, of course, not meaning that we all just speak up and talk, a variety of different ways to get your voice heard. That's how we propel our building forward. That's how we are leaders in education. But we won't lead in education if we're all thinking we are on the same spot and all moving and saying, oh, yes, 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 I agree with this. Yes, I agree with this. No, there's going to be tension there's going to be conflict as we work our way through and we propel ourselves forward oh sorry is this not a this is is
1: five minutes i'm looking at that time you've been talking for five straight minutes
2: (laughs) hold on hold on hold on hold on on, and
1: i keep putting my hand up (laughs) time (laughs) i I need to interject (laughs) so um that
2: was just my ego don't don't wave your hands at me i'm going
1: i know i can hear it in your voice when you start to escalate and then I'm like, oh, boy, I got to stop the hurricane. Otherwise, you know, he's going to tear everything down. And and I like the studio space. So
3: fair, fair. <laughs>
1: so, um, or yeah, wrap it up, Chaney. Um, yeah, <laughs> you get on so many important things. Um, you know, it boils down to where does the where does the conflict actually arise from? And it arises from differing perspectives. Why? Because we have different people in the room. And like you said, if, if we all agree on the same thing, then we're not going to push ourselves forward. We're not going to grow. Because we're just going to be following somebody who has one idea of something, and let's just go with that. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes somebody brings up uh, a great idea, or or maybe it's not even a great idea. It might be mediocre. It might just be all right. Like here's my solution to this issue, and uh, and people will just be like, okay, this is not a huge. Um, problem. It's maybe not something that we all need to disagree on and, and we let it go. Right. So those those are not re- necessarily conflicts. It's when we have those differing perspectives that let's say, yeah, um, you know what, I see a flaw in this and that's that should be welcomed and that should be celebrated because if five people didn't see the flaw and there's one or two people that did see the flaw, we need those people. That's how we grow. That's how we learn. And so sometimes, yes, we might have conflict that comes out of that. Or sometimes we might say, oh, you know what? You bring up something very important that we didn't consider. And it's something that we need to value and we need to put into play. So where the conflict really comes from, is when we have, um, you know, an equal representation of one viewpoint versus another viewpoint. Sometimes those can be solved very quickly, but sometimes they're much deeper, much more deeper rooted. And so sometimes we have conflicts that, um, that might seem like little problems, but they really have much more deep rooted issues that surround them. So a lot of the systemic issues that we, what, that we have experienced in education, you know, race, race or equality issues or equity issues, um, you know, even within equity within things like access to technology, which is something that has come up quite a bit. Um, you might have differing opinions on those those kinds of uh, situations and scenarios as well. They might lead to conflict, but the problem itself is much more deep-rooted and requires a lot more dialogue to be able to get to the solution of. And so just going back to your point, if the solution was readily available, if we came to a very quick solution, then maybe it was more of a minor conflict rather than an actual problem. Um, Problems themselves don't have easy solutions, they require a lot of conversation, they, they require a lot of courageous conversations, because you will have people that are uncomfortable in the situation, or don't know how to approach it, or don't have all of the answers, or even any answers to begin with. And so it is something definitely very important that we need to consider, because sometimes we won't ever come to an answer, we can get closer to an answer, right? It's like approaching zero, but we will never hit zero because there are so many different factors to consider. Um, but as long as it's propelling us forward and making us grow, I think that's the most important point.
2: With you're giving your example. It just reminds me why it's so important to give times and variations for people to contribute to conversations to try to move us forward and why you can't try to do things in one event or one PD or expect everyone to shift on a dime or have something implemented in three weeks People need to digest the information. Some people are going to have ready information, ready examples. They've been a part of it. You'll have other teachers that want to know. They want to be right. They want to be part of the conversation, but they know that they don't know enough yet. And it's not a race. It's not Mm -hmm. a race to get your answers first or a race to know something first. It's about giving people time to process and explore and learn things so they can contribute. So people can find the things that maybe we've missed out when you're thinking of a pedagogy moving forward or a group of students that are somehow going to be marginalized by a certain task or are we really making sure we're paying attention to this group in our school when we, we push forward with this It's not necessarily majority sometimes you just need those one or two people that really highlight something we all miss and then don't dismiss them and don't just talk around them to bring it back to your own point. When someone brings up a really valid point, you don't even need to say, yes, you're right, right. now. this is a good point. Mm-hmm. I need to think on this. I need to reflect on this. I need to research on this. And when you have the infrastructure in your culture and your building that you don't try to jam everything into one moment or one email or one PD session, then you already know that you've got something else coming. Courageous conversation is a term we hear all the time. but And I love courageous conversation. But the real value in courageous conversation actually is in not the actual moment. Those dialogues do tend to get people fired up and emotional, and emotion matters, but what also matters is information, research, done, doing some examples. And so the courageous conversation for me is not the solution. It's not a solution simply to say how you feel and get that all out there. That's part of pushing us forward. We have to know that when we have courageous conversation, that it's already embedded, that there's a follow-up, multiple follow-ups, either in large group settings, large, in small group settings, uh, administrator settings, email settings, group chats, there has to be follow-up to that. So when you're bringing that stuff up and we're talking about courageous conversation and, and people having their voice, reminded me of that of the time and spreading things out you have to have the infrastructure to allow conversation to marinate Mm. soak in people come back to it it is not a race to be loudest and first with information and 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 desires Uh,
1: and i love that i wrote that down it's not a race to solve there shouldn't be anybody coming into into a uh, conflict resolution or a problem solving session with the idea that they are going to be the ones to help to solve the problem. You can put your input in there, but I think once it once you take that responsibility on yourself, it becomes more of a pride issue than actually the conflict issue. So you start to differ you start to remove yourself from what the actual problem was and you're making it about yourself. So that definitely is True. Um, The courageous conversations. Yeah, indeed. Emotions are definitely going to be high in any think about any conflict that you've been in and everybody's been in a conflict. Emotions are always high. You will not likely achieve any sort of solution when you are in the conflict itself. You need to walk away from it. You need to step away from it and you need to bring yourself in back in with a rational frame of mind. You know, the, you hear about these types of strategies in any kind of conflict resolution sort of way. Strategies. You 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 need to walk away before you can come back with with actual problem solving techniques.
2: I'm really emotional.
1: I can hear that in your voice all the time. I can. You're just emoting right now.
2: You know, as you talked about being knowing how you need to step out. We also, as an infrastructure, need to know how to. Um, get people back in and know people need to remove themselves you know sometimes we have people leave leave meetings or leave issues walk out and then it's like this becomes the big scene no no it's it's not okay you don't want people doing that but you have to have the infrastructure and the leadership to know people are going to get upset they're going to leave and then you have to get them back in welcome them back in talk to them on the side find ways to get their voice back heard represent their voice back in the discussion it's not. It's it's on your you to get back in, but it's equally on other people to get you back into the conversation.
1: I I talked a bit a little bit about that for my strategies for really getting to be comfortable with your ego. Sometimes you need people to um, people that you trust and people who trust you to be able to recognize when your ego is out of whack, when you need to check yourself before you wreck yourself.
2: Who are you looking at?
1: i'm not what's that
2: i was was looking you never look over this way on the mic i was
1: looking past you
2: (laughs) no oh boy it must hurt your neck your neck snapped up so fast Dig that look over here
1: that's part of that's part of the leadership qualities that you know people take on for themselves nobody appoints a leader a leader is a leader because they they are good at doing these things so once you are able to you know reach out to the people that are around you that you recognize you know your ego needs a little bit of a checking so let's let's help you become more aware of the you know the dark parts of your ego right now and and help you come back to the conversation not i'm not saying that that's a bad thing at all because we all have dark parts of our ego it's it's a matter of recognizing and being aware that it's there sometimes you need a little help doing that and and it's not something that's um you know inherent or something that stands out as like oh i'm i'm being a little bit of a whatever right now and so I need to bring myself into the conversation no sometimes you need some help with being able to do that and that's perfectly okay
2: It was a good conversation.
1: It's great, and I'm sure that we could keep going for another hour or so, but I think it's getting close to that time.
0: Not me, it's just
1: about that time. Just about that time.
2: Uh, This was a good conversation. An extension, of course, from a Twitter chat, a Twitter Voxer group, had us thinking about conflict. And it's it's swag, bag time. What are your takeaways? Your immediate takeaways, you better use them tomorrow. (laughs) Tomorrow, if not by this afternoon. And please write an email verifying that you've done it all with some uh, data to... Prove to me that you've made those immediate switches. Yes. That's fair. I think so. Even till afternoon. Yeah, they have time. They have two hours. Right.
1: So time. Time is one of the factors that we talked about, right? We need to be able to allow people time to process things that they are working on and process things that are part of the problem and, and be able to bring back solutions after we've had some time to think about it so time is definitely one of our takeaways i think
2: infrastructure organization you you don't just spring stuff on people we build up towards things and when we do plan change and conversation and we want to address tough issues we understand that you we have to already have embedded and planned that there'll be follow-up that's important when we're engaging in conversation staff we need to know that this is not a one-all this is not the ninth inning with two outs and you got one swing at this to make your point no we embed it in our conversations, in our PD and dialogue, that there will be a follow-up, or we can come back with additional information. So, organization,
1: and also, I think understanding that there are some conflicts that will be easier to solve than others. Some of them have more deep-rooted issues that need to be um, that need to be addressed before trying to get to the root of the problem and trying to solve it. And so, that takes a lot of A lot of talking, a lot of dialogue, a lot of time, a lot of different strategies to try and be able to work towards.
2: We want our thinking to be on edge. Not necessarily uncomfortable, not necessarily feeling awkward, but we want to be thinking. We really want to be dialed in on a conversation. And if what we're talking about doesn't really have us thinking, then we're really not driving and pushing ourselves forward. And we want to make that connection that positive conflict is part of education, being a leader, leading our students to this brave new world, so to speak, rather than following worldwide trends. let make sure that education is a leader. And to be a leader, we got to be thinking, we got to be on the edge. That positive conflict is moving us forward. And when everything is in place, we can use it positively to move us forward.
1: Exactly. So thank you for joining us today for our episode on conflict. We hope you enjoyed the conversation And remember that if you want to hear more about conversations like these, you can tune in to our radio show on Voice Ed Radio on Friday mornings at 9 a.m. called The Drive with Che and Pav.
2: Yeah, we got a lot of conflict on what song's going to play. We don't play enough George Michael.
1: (laughs) That's all. It's a, you know, repetitive conflict that happens every week.
2: Some things about me don't change, eh? Nope. (laughs) (laughs) George Michael, George Michael. Remember to inspire.
1: Don't require. Always be. A humble servant. And
2: education never dies. dies.
0: You've been listening to the Staff Room Podcast with Che and Pav, written, performed, and produced by Che Chaney and Pav Wander in association with School Rubric, an online magazine and website designed for international and global educators. You can stay connected with Che and Pav by visiting their Twitter and Instagram pages. And also check out their articles related to each episode on the School Rubric webpage. All links are provided in the episode write-up. The podcast is recorded weekly at their in-class studio and performed in front of a live studio audience. Be sure to join Che and Pav next week because there's always something to talk about in the staff room.